If you're over 50, you've lived through some drastic changes or rather deviations in our culture. Even some of our kids have lived through these changes in our cultural attitudes and behaviors towards things that used to be considered abnormal. Less than 10 years ago, only a small number of people identified as gay. Yet in the last few years, we've seen those numbers rise and even more than double. Are we preparing our kids to interact in a world that is changing so drastically? Because some of our own kids are feeling influenced to follow this lifestyle. What are we to do? Today, we're talking with Joe Dallas about helping our families navigate a society that now seems to have become a foreign mission field. This is Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another edition of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill, and I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And you know, Trace, when you're working with parents and talking about raising kids, you really go back to the basics of life and reality. And one of the verses that you often quote is Psalm 11.3, and that is, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Many of life's foundations are being destroyed today. You see this playing havoc with parents and how that they navigate their parenting experience, don't you? Yeah. Uh, You know, that may be the understatement of the year. Uh, I remember back in the day hearing debates between parents as to whether, you know, their boys and their girls should be even playing together, whether it be sports or, you know, whatever. I never really thought much about that. But Today, we can't even define what a boy or girl even is anymore, all the way up to the Supreme Court. Uh, we've also forgotten terms like sin and righteousness while making up new terms and redefining old ones to fit the narrative of those who just want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. Uh, this kind of postmodern relativistic thinking has permeated all aspects of, of our lives today. But when our sexuality gets redefined, whether it's genders or behaviors, we're messing with the very foundations of life itself. But the purveyors of all this, you know, know that twisting language is the most effective way of slipping things past the goalie. And of course, when people with more letters behind their name than critical thinking skills crusade to have this stuff taught to little kids, uh, while both parents are, you know, preoccupied making a living, a lot goes unquestioned and unchallenged. And and parents, we've got to wake up and, and see the utter insanity of all this. And and then we've got to wisely do something about it. I think today's guest can help us do just that because there's just too much at stake here. Yeah, there is a lot at stake here. And that's why we're talking about this topic with our guest today. And our guest, by the way, doesn't shy away from talking about the hard topics of sexuality and what is going on in our culture today. Our guest is Joe Dallas. He is an author, conference speaker, and ordained pastoral counselor. He directs a biblical counseling ministry for those dealing with sexual and relational problems. He also works with their families as well. Joe says that one of his greatest joys is seeing people's lives conformed to God's will. Joe has also authored six books on human sexuality from the Christian perspective, and his new book is Christian in the Counterculture. Welcome, Joe. Great being here. Thank you. 
Joe, I, I, I just made the statement that there's, there's too much at stake not to be wisely dealing with a mindset or, or a movement that appears to be going after our kids. As you see it, what exactly are some of these things that are at stake? The very definition, Trace, of what it is to be a family, the very definition of what a marriage is, the very definition of what constitutes normal versus abnormal sexual expression. Mm -hmm. um, that's not an overstatement. I'm actually underplaying it. Uh, the word you used was foundation, and that is correct. Um, apart from the creation of the physical world, the first major foundational act we see God um, uh, committing is the creation of the family, the definition of humanity as male and female, and uh, the, the definition of marriage as a male-female permanent union. So uh, we're, we're really not talking about secondary issues. We're talking about primary issues, and they are hills to die on. I don't think there's any overstating that. We're talking about a subject that is foundational, and because the foundation is being challenged, now there's an urgency attached to it. So that's why I'm glad we're talking. So, Joe, how do we build that strong foundation in, in a world that seems to be crumbling around us, help parents understand just how do we build that foundation with our children today? Michelle, we have got to get over our reticence to talk about this. That would be the mm, best place to start. You know, I, for decades, I, I've noticed there is this sense of skittishness in talking to our kids, our, in our Christian kids, about sexuality and uh, talking about it in our um, youth groups, talking about it in our churches. Now, look, there, I believe in modesty. I think modesty is protective, and, and we need modesty. But there's a difference between modesty and negligence. It is negligent to ignore a topic that the world is bombarding our children with. So the question is not whether or not our kids are going to be exposed to homosexuality, transgenderism, bisexuality, and topics surrounding fornication. Uh, that's not the question. The question is who are going to be the voices who first talk to them about these issues? Are we going to let it be the culture or are we going to let it be us? Because if we let it be the culture before we have a chance to make a case to our kids, then we're not being modest, we're being negligent. We need to talk to them from early in life about what God has intended for the marital uh, union to be, what, how God has defined the family. And we do need to talk very plainly to our kids about the fact that, you know what, in this fallen world, all of us experience things, feelings that God never meant us to experience. That's, that's what mm -hmm. God told Adam and Eve would happen as soon as sin entered the environment. Well, the human experience now is going to contain a lot of things I didn't intend. And therefore, our feelings, if we go with them, will often take us wildly outside of God's will. Now, you can talk about all of that years before you start talking about sex. Right. But you got to talk about that because kids have got to understand that, that one of the greatest errors that's going to be foisted on them is not that homosexuality is normal or transgender is normal, although those are serious errors. One of the greatest errors, the broader errors, is you should go with your feelings, mm -hmm. whatever they may be. And feelings dictate truth. Mm -hmm. We have to start teaching our kids from early in life how to discern the difference between truth and error and not to go with what we feel. 
um, as as a way of determining truth. So I think, in answer to your question, Michelle, and I got a little long winded there, but I no, think that that's good. that's the foundational point we have to make. Yeah, but are we kind of forced? I mean, I, I've taught my kids from the time. I mean, they were very young. People looked at me cockeyed when I would would tell them, "Look, I'm, I'm talking to my kids about certain things," but but you know, I never really had to. I was never really forced to talk about the, the, all the perversions on sexuality. And now, you know, you see a couple of guys holding hands or, you know, getting, you know, this, these public displays of affection uh, between uh, females or whatever in public. And, you know, you got a young kid and you've talked to them about all the right things and they see this going on. How, I mean, how do you have that discussion when, when you feel like maybe you're forced into jumpstarting them into, into conversations that, no, they're not ready for that one. I but they know. just witnessed something on TV or a commercial. Or, or how do you, how do you uh, walk parents through that? Okay, look, I resent this, Trace. I really resent that we have to talk to our kids about things that we should not have to talk to them about. Right. I resent that we have to introduce to them topics that really they should not have to deal with this early in life. Yeah. But I can resent it all I want. That doesn't mean I can avoid it right. because somebody is going to talk to them about this. It's sort of like, um, well, this is an inflated analogy, but suppose you were raising your kids in a war zone. You would have to teach them things that you shouldn't have to teach a child. You'd have to teach them how to walk down the street defensively. You'd have to teach them how not to go to certain areas or they might get shot and killed. Right. Yeah, that's a terrible thing to have to say to a child. But you know what? If you want your kid to survive, you're going to give him the information he needs to navigate that dangerous world. Well, these days, we got to give kids information they need. Now, look, start with what we were saying earlier, basic truth. Because uh, I, I remember in my early days as a Christian being taught that if you learn the Word of God properly, if you understand truth, then you'll be able to spot a counterfeit when it comes your way. Mm -hmm. You don't have to learn all the different counterfeits that are out there. You just have to learn what is authentic, and then you judge everything by that, and you'll spot the counterfeit. Therefore, mm -hmm. if we teach our kids the truth, we've given them, first of all, something to judge the counterfeit by. That alone will be sufficient for them to realize, well, this deviates from what I know to be true. But secondly, I do think we need to let them know, hey, I've talked to you about what God intended. Now, you're going to see a lot of things that God didn't intend. You're going to see guys holding hands. You're going to see women say that they think they're a man, so therefore they are a man. You're going to see a lot of deviations from this. And that's the way the culture is going. But this is something we really have to, I guess, hammer into our kids from early in life is our lives are going to be lived differently than the surrounding culture. We're Christians. We serve God in our home. Yeah. And if you get it kind of implanted from early in life that, you know, there are things that you're not going to be allowed to do that others are allowed to do. There are going to be things that your friends and their families believe that we don't believe, things they practice that we don't practice. And that's just, that's just the way it is. Yeah. I think part of the problem with us, and I mean the adults these days, is We've had it too darned easy in America. The, oh, that's the Christian sure. church that's in America profound. has lived in relative peace with the culture. I'm not saying that, you know, the culture was Christian. Of course not. The, the world is the world. But it's been a largely Christian-influenced culture, and thereby, I know when I was a kid, now I'm 67 years old, so that was a long time ago, but when I was growing up, 
what you were taught in church really was, believe it or not, reinforced in school. Heck, it was even reinforced on TV, if you can imagine such a time. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have to deal with this disconnect between what, what you're taught in a Christian home versus what the world teaches you. So I think that hasn't prepared us to prepare our kids because we haven't felt the need to be, well, apologists. That's true. I mean, we've, we've basically thought it's enough to know the word, but now we're learning that we have to also defend the word. So I think if we can implement a proper defense in our homes and accept the hard, ugly fact that we have to prepare our kids for battles that no children should not have to face, but they do have to face them, and by the grace of God, they can. If we accept that and we equip them accordingly, uh, then I think we'll be doing our job. Our guest today on Licensed Parent is Joe Dallas. Trace Embry, Joe, and I will be right back after this break. Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a one-year residential program for teens in crisis. And today we're helping you, the parent, think through sexuality and our culture. Our guest is Joe Dallas. Joe's latest book is Christians in a Cancel Culture. Well, Joe, in our postmodern relativistic society where everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes today, is there any such thing as a sexual perversion anymore? And, and if there is, who gets to define it? Well, you know, Trace, if you keep moving the goalpost, it's impossible to know when you've scored. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're seeing today is the erasing 
of any standard by which we can determine what is normal versus abnormal. That began largely with uh, the redefinition of the permanence of marriage when we introduced no-fault divorce, and then we introduced as a culture the idea of legitimizing sexual relations before marriage, then of course the normalization of homosexuality, the normalization of transgenderism, and now we are um, verifiably on the precipice of normalizing pedophilia. Well, that's exactly what, that was my next question. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly where I was going. Over and over, for years, I, I, I've been hearing proponents of the LGBT movement say that they're not pursuing our children and that it was you know, insulting to them to be accused of such a thing. Am I wrong to think that that's exactly what's happening today? Because I've, I've talked to a lot of people who said that's, that's, that's where this thing is headed. They're not going to be satisfied with gay marriage. They're not going to be satisfied with a society uh, believing the, the obvious joke that men can be women and women can, can be men. They, want, they, really want, they don't want to stop there. Trace, I think it's the same concept of leaven, leaven spreading, a little leaven leavening the whole lump. Mm -hmm. Let me give you an example. Back in the 60s, uh, as a culture, we introduced the idea of swinging and the idea of fornication being rather legitimate and even cool. Mm -hmm. Now, most proponents of that were not supportive of homosexuality, but that redefinition led to a further erosion to the point that pro-gay advocates could step in and say, well, if you've legitimized sex outside of marriage, why not include homosexual sex? Mm -hmm. Now, by the same token, most homosexual advocates in the 70s and early 80s were not proponents of transgenderism. I myself was a very active part of the gay rights movement from 1978 to 1984. And I got to tell you, Trace, when I was part of that community, most of us considered it an illness if you really thought you were born in the wrong body. It was not a gay and transgender movement. We were tolerant of transgender people, but most of yeah. us believed, hey, you got a real problem. If you really think you can just change your sex, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. Now, by the same token, most gays and transgenders would not be sexually interested in children, and most of them probably would not approve of sex between adults and children. But the logical outcome of this ongoing re redefinition and erosion is the introduction of pedophilia, because whether or not gay rights advocates wanted it to happen or not, yeah. pedophile activists have jumped on all of the arguments used by the gay rights movement sure. to legitimize pedophilia. So the playbook keeps getting handed down to a new group. The swingers playbook got handed to the gay rights activist. The Very gay right. rights activist handbook got handed over to the transgenders and now the transgender handbook is getting handed over to the pedophile activist. Just uh, the names are being changed, but the playbook is still basically the same. And that is the logical outcome of this constant redefinition. Now, what is favorable to us? I've often said madness is an opportunity for credibility because the madness of the times has a lot of people, and I mean non-believers, asking, hey, are we going nuts? We are. When a person like Bill Maher can go on his HBO show and say that there is something extremely weird about the direction the transgender mm -hmm. movement is going, oh, you yeah. got to say, okay, now there are some hopeful signs here mm -hmm. because that means that those of us who are saying, hey, may I have your attention 
for a minute. There really is a standard for normalcy. We have a creator. Our creator created us with intentions. And if you're interested, we'd like to talk to you about what those intentions are. People yeah. become more amenable to that when the times are crazy. And even if they are not believers, when they look at the idea that their children might be encouraged to mutilate their own bodies without their parents' permission, that's now, that gets parents mm. to rethink this whole idea of the church is the enemy and we should just trust the public school system. So, mm. again, I think the times of madness are horrible, but they are an opportunity for a new season of credibility for the church. We need to step in boldly and take advantage of that. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a statement. The mind can always justify what the heart has already accepted. How does this statement play into the equation as to why masses of otherwise perfectly sane and prudent individuals now believe what credible science and biology has debunked from the beginning? Well, I think we've got a combination of things going on. Uh, Trace, it's a mixed bag. I think that there are true believers, people who really do believe that um, whatever the heart wants is legitimized by the wanting itself. Right. I remember when Woody Allen was found out to have been um, establishing a relationship with his adoptive daughter, mm -hmm. uh, how scandalous that was. And he said, well, the heart wants what it wants. That was an honest statement about fallen human nature. And he was unfortunately going with it. But, but that is true. Um, but I think that there's also something intuitive that tells us, wait a minute, something is wrong here. And that's why I think a lot of people are not really believing this, but either they feel intimidated by the sheer force of the movement, or um, they feel as though they need to go along in order to be successful and accept it. And I got to tell you, in these days, a lot of kids are going along with it because there is a status to be obtained now by saying you're trans or gay or queer or asexual or bisexual. You will be seen as brave. You'll be cool. seen as special. You'll be afforded a label that gives you status and privilege. And for that reason alone, we read stats now about, you know, these higher percentage of kids who are identifying as queer or LGBTQ. Well, I don't believe they are. But I believe they know that if they will adopt that label, that will open up doors to them that wouldn't otherwise be open. So for all of those reasons, I think we have this increase in, in people embracing all of this. But I think, again, there is also the fact that God has written on the human heart, and this is a good thing. God has put a certain consciousness in the human heart, even of the unsaved. Yeah. And that consciousness testifies against all of this. Now, in some cases, that consciousness will open up a person to the truth. In other cases, it will make them hyper-defensive. Nobody can tell me that people who feel good about themselves need to force other people to agree with them. When right. I see no, transgender exactly activists right. and gay rights activists demanding that you agree with them and validate them, I see Celebrate. people who are not at all sure that they're right. Yeah. Well, we got a proving ground here at Shepherd's Hill that gives evidence to everything you're saying. We, we, we kids... You know, once they're kind of out of the culture for a little while, and they're here for a year, they, they're unplugged, digitally unplugged, no running water, no electricity, build the communities out there in the woods, and they come to their own conclusions, and there's no reparative therapy going on here. We never had to do that one time, but they do, you know, they're, they're, it's almost like they're getting a, a, a brain purge while they're here, a heart purge, certainly, you know. Mm -hmm. The blood of Jesus who washes dirty brains and all that. So we, but no one's forcing anything on them. It's they come to their own conclusions, and that's when the lottery's been won with these kids. 
genuine relationships. And they realize, well, I can love someone of the same gender without having to go to bed with them or her. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, yeah. it's, it's just, it's wonderful to see, and, and it's, it's, it's frustrating for me when I see the masses out there who are believing so many lies. And can you give me one good reason why kindergarten kids need to be subjected to transvestites or transgender people following their proclivities in their public school classrooms, while Christians would never be afforded the same opportunity to even pass out Gideon Bibles anymore? Again, though, this is kind of a soapbox issue to me, Trace. You're right. Kindergarten kids are being taught all of this. A look at the outcry against um, uh, the governor of Florida when he said, hey, let's hold off talking to our kids until third grade yeah. about this yeah. kind of thing. But what makes me so mad is, and here in the church, we're so reluctant to talk to our children. In the world, they are so passionate about talking to our children that they will literally raise hell if we deny them the right to do it. And we're sitting here saying, well, gee, we don't know if it's appropriate to talk to our kids about this. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how does such a small contingent of the population have such a huge influence on the masses? Commitment. Commitment. I mean, look, if one percentage of the population is truly committed while 99% is apathetic, that 1% is going to win. It's so not we who's can the majority, learn something it's who's from the committed. LGBT community. Christians oh, can hey, learn something. You got that. We can learn a lot from them. <laughs> you got to credit them for a lot of things. They are Amen. committed. They are organized. They make the most of their resources. They know something we don't seem to know. They know how important the issue is. Yeah. In our churches, we're still wondering whether or not we should even address it. They know they should address it. They've known that for the last 50 years. That's why we are where we are as a nation. Why do we seem so scared of being canceled and not liked? And yet this other side, they're not scared. They're just rushing into this battle. How do we put on this armor so that we can rush into the battle and not be so scared of being canceled? Michelle, we have to rethink what it is we're here for. Are we here to get people to like us or are we here to share life giving truth? You look at the early church and you don't see them wringing their hands over this type of thing. They had a sense of urgency about the gospel and about discipleship. So they did not seem to worry much about how well they would be received. They worried about clarity. So they did not seem to worry much about how well they would be received. They worried about clarity. Did I make the message clear? Did I Mm. give the truth? I think we have to think, okay, are we ambassadors or are we just hosts and hostesses at a party? If you're an ambassador, you have a message. You're trying to build goodwill, of course. I mean, let's mm-hmm. not be jerks. I, I do think some of the most obnoxious things I've heard from any people have come from Christians talking about these issues. So I get it. Yeah. We've, we've at times been very irresponsible. But um, I think that an ambassador recognizes the top priority he has is to be faithful to the person who sent him. Yeah while making goodwill towards the people he's sent to. Mm-hmm. And if we can keep those priorities in mind, I think we can get over mm-hmm. our reticence. It's like Peter and John said, look, we're not trying to make trouble, but uh, whether it's right to obey you more than God, you decide. But for us, I know we, we, we feel we ought to obey God rather than man. So there you go. Well, yeah. Joe, it's been uh, just a pleasure to have you on Licensed to Parent today. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure talking with both of you. And God bless you what you're doing. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Joe Dallas. Joe wrote the book, Christians in a Cancel Culture. If you're interested in learning more about Joe and his ministry, go to joedallas.com. 
Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. You can learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, licensedtoparent.org. Shepherds Hill Academy is expanding our campus and we need your help. Would you consider giving a financial gift? A gift of any amount to Shepherds Hill brings hope and healing to families in crisis. You can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit licensedtoparent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Daniel Fazina is our guest relations. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer for Trace Ambry. I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.